Well, if you'll please turn in a copy of God's Word to uh, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. If you're using the Pew Bible, you're going to find that on page 1, actually. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. There are now five copies of God's Word out on the table back there, and I'd love to have to reorder some uh, this week. As you're able, let's please stand for the reading of God's Word. Genesis 1, starting at verse 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. The image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Help us now by Your Holy Spirit. Uh, work it deep inside our hearts and our souls that we might uh, become more like our Savior. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. You know, in football, the first half of the game can be pretty important. Does your team come out with fire or with mediocrity? Is the quarterback dialed in today? How's the offensive line? Is he going to have time to throw? What kind of momentum is your team going to have when it goes in to the locker room at the end of the first half? But, but you know, it is the second half that is the make or break time. Because no matter how long the TV timeouts are, the game is hurtling towards its goal, its end. And that is to have 
more points at the end than the other guy. With each minute of the second half, the minutes get more precious, and each play becomes more important than the last. We have something like that with the second half of the creation days. Now, we'll talk about the seventh day in weeks to come. But of the six days of creation, of of the work, the final three uh, could only happen because the the first set of three set it up for success. It's, It's almost like the field had been made, the crowds brought in, and the second half the team actually plays leading up to, to, the, to the final and most important part of creation, and that is the creation of man. We see light created in, verse, excuse me, in day one, sky created in, verse, in, in day two, the dry land and the seas. Vegetation is brought forth on day three, which is going to be needed sustenance for both land animals and the first humans. We see that not only is mankind the last thing created by God, it's what everything else was made for. It was all made for God's glory. But in terms of the systems that were made, all the systems of the universe were made for the fact that this world, this universe, was going to contain, not only contain mankind, but be ruled over by mankind. And that way, mankind is both in nature, it is part of God's creation, that mankind is also over creation, and that God has made us in His image and given us dominion over all that He has created. So today we look at uh, days four through six, which will end up with the day of God creating Adam and Eve. So day four, what happens? Well, uh, this is the day when God created the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars, Everything out there in, the, in space, like galaxies and nebulae and planets, we see this in verses 14 through 15. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Now you'll remember that God has already created light. He created that on day one. But it's not until day four that he creates those things that are going to continue to make light. Now, an atheistic or or Big Bang approach would have us think that what we see in the skies above us are there only by chance and randomly placed. But Isaiah 40, God's Word, tells us something else. It's what we read to the kids. Lift up your eyes and see who created these. By the way, somebody had to. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of His might, and because He is strong in power, not one of them is missing. (laughs) What a mighty God we serve when we consider just what His hands have made. The 300 billion trillion stars that, you know, round number we think there might be out there. Or or the largest galaxy known to us, some 3 billion light years away, the Alsonius galaxy. There are estimated to be 100 trillion stars just in it. God has created, He has made His universe with precision and perfection. That if it were different by even the smallest percentage... 
we wouldn't even be able to live here. Let me give you a few of those really interesting facts. So the earth is, uh, has precisely a 23-degree slant. Okay? Because of the 23-degree slant, like this, we have the four seasons. These are fairly important, right, to our climate. To seed time and harvest. Can you imagine having to plant and grow and harvest if there were no seasons? Or if summer got so hot it killed everybody uh, who was anywhere in that hemisphere. One degree would change the jet streams and get rid of the polar ice caps. Or take the moon. God has so precisely made these things. The moon, which is huge compared to the size of the earth. It's the largest moon by relationship in our entire solar system. Because it is so large, it controls our tides. And not only that, but it keeps the wobble of the earth's rotation actually in check. If it were any further away, any larger, any smaller, water would stagnate in our oceans. Or it would flood our shores for hundreds of miles. God created the luminaries in the sky in order to serve Him and to serve creation and to help humanity. The sun separates the night from the day. The earth and the moon both give light to the earth. Have you ever seen a really bright um, full moon? You know, when it, sometimes when it's just coming right off the horizon, when it just looks so big, you feel like you can put your hand out there, it's so large, and it would still out, uh, cover outside your hand. You know, we live in a day of flashlights and headlights. The fact that the moon provides light for safety and the ability to walk at night for a large portion of the month is a really big deal when you're two to three million Israelites encamped around Mount Sinai. It's nice to have a light at night. Because of the orderly rotation of the planets and the phases of the moon, accurate calendars can be kept. The rhythms of life regulated, knowing when to sow and to harvest, these things we kept track of. And, you know, until the 20th century, stars were the only way to navigate. It wasn't until the invention of radar and radio signals uh, that there was any other way to navigate at sea. But while there's some amazing statistics, amazing things that point us to the, the design of our Creator, there's something that is missing in this passage, and it's the name of the sun and the moon. Did you notice that? It's called the greater and lesser light. And then he says it's almost an asterisk or something, an amendment. He created the greater and lesser lights and the stars. You know? Oh, yeah, the stars out there? Yeah, he made those too. Why would, why would God not want to draw attention to the names of these uh, bodies. Well, it's because the Israelites had just come out of Egypt. And remember, the greatest Egyptian god is named Ra, and he is the sun god. And as powerful as the Egyptians think he is, God doesn't even mention the sun by name. He's that much more powerful. You know, we, we live in a, in a rare culture a monotheistic culture, the, the Western civilization culture, 
because worldwide, historically, and even now, the vast majority of people have worshipped the sun and the moon and the stars. Native American religion still worships of the moon god. The Hindus worship Chandra, the moon god. Certainly the Greeks and Romans worshipped the moon. But we are not to worship the moon. We are not to worship the sun. For as amazing as these things are, they point us to the one who created them. This, by the way, is why we shouldn't do horoscopes and why we shouldn't look to astrological signs because God created these things for His glory and to help us rather than to rule over us. In fact, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. They don't declare your future. What do they declare? The glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. But all the imagery of light of the stars and of the sun, they coalesce around Jesus. He calls himself the light of the world in John 8. John 1, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Revelation twenty-two sixteen: Christ is the morning star. My current favorite, Luke 1 where Zechariah is prophesying over his son John, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise, this is the Jesus, whereby Jesus, the sunrise, shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Just as the light shone into the darkness on day one, the light of the world has risen from on high. And He has brought light and salvation to us, we who were sitting in the darkness of sin and in the shadow of death. Well, let's move on to day five. In verses 20 through 23, we have the first conscious life created on earth. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about the problems with Darwin's philosophy of evolution. And this is one of the largest that there is conscious life. Because proteins can't make anything conscious, right? God has to do that. Consciousness did not come from amoeba in a cesspool growing into something that can think and have relationships one with another. And here we have the first conscious life created. We saw plant life back in day three, but that's that's a different kind of life. Verse 21 calls this the living creatures. Verse 20 says, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Remember, the expanse was the sky. We talked about that last week. And so first we see the creation of all aquatic life. Have you all seen some of these shows on the Discovery Channel? Uh, I think planet Earth is one of them. Uh, These things where they they explore species. And and when they get to the part about what's at the depths of our oceans, these are the craziest looking fish. Fish that we are just seeing for the first time that have existed since God created them. God created uh, all aquatic life, from the crocodiles to those strange fish at the bottom of the ocean that don't even have eyes. He created them perfectly. And He makes the birds. 
The Hebrew uh, word actually covers anything that flies. So locusts, mosquitoes, butterflies, anything that, that flies along. So on, th- on Tuesday mornings uh, at Earl's house, we have a, a men's time of prayer and breakfast. Men, we invite you to come. And we all sit and look through the back windows of Earl's uh, kitchen into his backyard where he has lots and lots of bird feeders. And it is fun because Sean and I know these things all by one name, birds, right? <laughs> birds. We, we, all, we know every one of their names. Uh, but to hear Baxter and Earl start talking about which finch and that finch and, you know, words I've never heard before. And, and they begin to explain to us why this one does that and the fact that hummingbirds fly 500 miles over the Gulf of Mexico. Hummingbirds. In their 1,200-mile migration. Isn't it amazing what God has made? Or the woodpecker can peck 16 times a second and up to 8,000 times a day. I don't think that happened by chance. We see a new word pop up here too. First time in the Bible, it's the word to bless. Verse 22 and 23, And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. God blessed them. This is not a wish. It is an action that God would bless these creatures and cause them to carry out their mission of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the waters. It's amazing to see how God created these systems that would reproduce themselves over generations and generations and thousands of years. Like the salmon. You know what the salmon does, right? The ones that survive the orcas off in the Pacific will then uh, wear themselves out quite literally in order to swim upstream in fresh water in order to lay their eggs and then die. Isn't that amazing? Why? What are they doing? They're being fruitful and multiplying. We're humpback whales that'll swim three thousand miles to their breeding grounds. Why? Because God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters. Notice that, again, we see this phrase, according to its kind. According to its kind. It shows up ten times in 20 verses. There would be variation within species. That's true. But sharks don't become whales and hummingbirds don't become hawks. So it finally gets us to, ver- excuse me, to day six. To the last quarter of the game. The day for which everything else has been waiting. It will end with the creation of man and woman, but first there's still a very large gap that needs to be filled, and that's with the land animals. Verses 24 through 26. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts on the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. In these short verses, God creates everything that lives on land. 
from the livestock, which are domesticated animals, to the creeping things, which are like worms and reptiles, the things that keep you up at night. And finally, the beasts of the earth, lions and tigers and bears. But notice each one of these is according to its kind. Five times, five times in these two verses, you hear this, this phrase, according to their kind. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm to this. And so when we get to the creation of man, we're expecting to hear, and God created man according to its kind. And that's not what we read. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and everything creeping that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Something different has just happened. We've had this rhythm. God created, said it was, said something was going to happen, and it was so. And there was morning and evening, and it was good. Then we have the creation of animals. And you have the creation of fish and the birds according to their kind, according to their kind, according to their kind. And then God said, let us make man in our image. What has just happened? The pinnacle of creation has just been reached. The trophy has been produced. The capstone has been placed. The last important Lego has been found. The puzzle now makes sense. As good as everything was before, now it is complete and it is full. You have these great words, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who could God be talking to? Who shares His image? Nobody, except the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Certainly the angels don't. Could this be a majestic royal we? Maybe, but there, it, it doesn't seem like that here. The Holy Spirit was there in verse 2. Jesus is the agent of creation according to John 1. It says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And so there's something different about mankind. Radically different. We're similar to the animals in that there's so much that applies to both us and the animals. We'll eat the same food in verses 29 and 30. We will reproduce and multiply and fill the earth. We are created from dust, according to Genesis 2. And so we are separate from God. We are not God. God we are His creation, right? There is separation between us and God, just like there is between God and all of creation. As one scholar said, the difference between us and God is greater than the difference between us and an ant. Think about the difference between you and an ant. The difference between us and God is is infinitely times greater. But on the other hand, there's something unique about mankind. We have been given certain abilities, moral responsibility. We've been given souls, the ability to have fellowship and relationships one with the other. We, uh, these things have not been given to animals. God loves animals, but not like people. We might emphatically say, theologically, that animals are not people. We love our animals, but they are not people because they are not made in the image of God. God gives to humanity alone His image. We'll look at that and what that means in great detail next week. But He's also given us rule and dominion over the rest of creation. It's a divine stewardship. God has created and called us to be His vice-regents, His under-caretakers, His viceroys, His royal governors. 
Look at verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We are called to subdue the earth and have dominion over it or authority over it. And it's both a gift and a responsibility. Do you remember all the amazing stuff He has made? That belongs to us. He's entrusted it to us, not to pillage or to destroy, but to use, develop, and safeguard. We'll explore that as well in the next few weeks. But let me close by saying that of all the amazing aspects of what makes mankind special to God and sets us apart from the rest of creation is that He has made us for a relationship with Him. That's ultimately the thing that sets us apart from creation. God has not entered into a relationship with animals. He he made them, He cares for them, He provides for them. Nor plant life, nor the fish, or the birds. But He created man so that we might have a relationship with Him. He, He didn't need us. There are no needs within God. Isn't it good that we serve a God who's not needy? That's really good news, by the way. The only thing that we can bring to our relationship with God, ultimately now on this side of the fall, is our sin, which He takes care of in Christ Jesus. But He desires relationship with people. Why? That's why He created us. Not because He had some need, but because He wanted to show His love and mercy and grace upon those whom He created in His image. He is glorified in that action. Well, the problem, though, is that there's been a break. That's what we were created for. What were you created for? It is to have a relationship with God, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If someone asks you the meaning of life, it's not a mystery. It's as simple as that. But the problem is sin. Though God made Adam and Eve perfectly, they were able to both sin and not sin. That was their decision. But now, now that the fall has happened, our natures have changed. And now, now, we are not able not to sin. Something has changed in us. But there's good news. There is such good news. Because though the relationship was broken... God has made provision. He has sent His Son to remake, to regenerate, to bring new creations into existence. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that, that if we're in Christ, we are new creations. And that He seeks to restore that relationship. How does He do that? By the blood of His Son that all those who trust in Christ and repent of their sins can have their relationship with God restored. So I implore you, be reconciled to God. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank You for the gift of salvation. We thank You for the gift of Christ, O Lord that from heaven you came and sought us to restore that which was broken. Thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus, amen.